Chris Gausser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First to Run, Matt and I are going to discuss David Cronenberg's return to gross, icky, body horror, sexy stuff. After a run of, I think, Matt, critically acclaimed thrillers, and then a shift kind of to more smaller sci-fi or odd films, Cronenberg, or as Matt likes to call him, Daddy Cronenberg, (laughs) is back. But does he still got it? And by it, I'm meaning, ew, and oh. Then there's another theatrical release we'll be talking about. That's IFC Midnight and Shudder's presentation of Watcher, featuring Mika It Follows Monroe. Does director Chloe Okuno breathe new life, Matt, into the slasher genre? Does the edge of your seat run down to the big releases on physical media, featuring the streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week? And then Matt and I are going to close out the big show, sharing our five favorite, is that the way to say it? Sure. Most disturbing, icky David Cronenberg scenes. But let's start everything off with a clip from Crimes of the Future. It's not that small. Quite big, actually. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask you something intimate? Hi. Oh, go ahead. Surgery is sex, isn't it? Is it? So Matt was laughing during that clip. I don't know if he was laughing at my ungodly large twisted tea can. Yeah, that might be one of the. Well, that that is. So Chris, if if you can't, if you're not watching this, Chris pulled out. I'm not the, recording this one for video, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I'm too busy okay. to set it up. So yeah, so Chris pulled out the the Florida man's uh, <laughs> breakfast drink of a super tall boy can of uh, twisted tea, <laughs> um, which might be the most Florida thing. I think I think Chris has now officially gone native um, because. You don't come back from that, folks. 24 fluid ounces, my friend. You know what it is? It was before a softball game. Yeah. And I wanted a little iced tea lemonade mix. And I saw this, and I'm like, you know what? Let me tackle that. But then Mm -hmm. the softball game was postponed because of rain, so I never really got to warm up, as the kids say. Uh, Well, you got to loosen up. You got to loosen up on the air. So there you go. This has been such a horrible week. Anyway, okay. A couple things we want to run past you first, Matt. I'm glad to know that I think you're in agreement that A, body is reality, mm-hmm. and surgery is the new sex. Are you on board? Um, Sure. For the purposes of this discussion, let's say yes. All right, good. So then, Crimes of the Future, Cronenberg's latest film, maybe his last, nothing official, mm-hmm. but Daddy Cronenberg uh, is getting on in years. Yep. So let me ask you, Matt. Oh, I'm going to love this. What is Crimes of the Future all about? I knew it. When I was watching this, I'm like, yep, this is going to be the one that I have to explain what this is. <laughs> so it's the future. 
the environment uh, has been destroyed through pollution and climate change. And for reasons that are not particularly clear, um, things like infections and feeling pain have been eliminated for the most part from cool from humanity. Um, so now doing at home uh, surgeries are all the rage. And Viggo Mortensen and uh, Leah Sadu are a performance artist couple who do surgeries on Vigo because he has a disease that causes new organs to spontaneously grow in his body. Adjacent to all that, there's a little kid who may be the future of evolution, being able to eat things like plastic, like an extreme case of pika, who's killed by his mother. And his father approaches Viggo Mortensen about performing uh, a performance art piece on his son's corpse got all that yeah supposedly the next step in evolution right that's within his son's digestive system Mm -hmm. that's i don't know going to be a thousand points of light i'm not quite sure we never really know (laughs) nor do we find out i guess spoiler matt let me ask you crimes of the future i think is certainly a cronenberg film oh definitely most definitely but is it a great cronenberg film yeah, so this is a quintessential Cronenberg film. Like, all of the things that you think of when you think David Cronenberg are here. Um, you've got the body horror, the kind of weird, nonsensical, biomechanical constructions. Like, when when Vigo is sitting in his eating chair, I thought that was the most... It was hilarious watching him, like, flail around <laughs> trying to eat in that thing. But I... I don't think it's a great Cronenberg movie. If I'm being honest, even if it's a, a an example of his kind of body horror oeuvre, it's not even that good of a of a Cronenberg film. I think it's like the top of the okay heap. Like I think he's mm-hmm. got weaker entries, but I don't think this is him at the top of his game. No, and a lot of it felt to me like he was meeting expectations and like mm-hmm. obligations. More so than telling this enthralling, disturbing story. And which I think is interesting too, because I think it would have premiered at Khan. I can't remember. Hmm. But there were people saying that they were people were walking out because the film was so shocking. Right. And Matt, I I don't think it's really that shocking at all. The subject matter is well, intellectually it's odd. And I can see maybe it could be off putting for some people. Could it be a vision into a possible future? I don't think so, but maybe. Mm. But I think it's really missing the intensity of his earlier works. I mean, like your, your, what am I thinking of here? Your video drones, right? Mm. Your rabbits, your shivers, your dead ringers, like all of that stuff. It's just not, I don't know, at times it felt like he was trying to meet expectations, right? People are going to want to see this from me, so I got to do this. People are going to want to see that, so I got to do that. And, I also was a little underwhelmed by my boy Vigo, yeah. who is basically whispering through half the film, too. I understand because he's uncomfortable, though he doesn't experience pain, right? Because nobody right. experiences pain anymore. But it's still uncomfortable. And I think part of their issue, too, is that I think Cronenberg tries to tackle a lot of stuff in this film. Yeah. Right? And not only are we going to talk about, like, how far, Matt, are you prepared to go for your art? In like, what even is art, man? <laughs> so but it's not just that it's censorship it's evolution it's apocalypse societal collapse addiction opioids love Mm -hmm. and of course dirty dirty sex Mm -hmm. 
but it's it's fun to see him back kind of in his wheelhouse. Yeah. But even like the gore stuff, it all felt very perfunctory to me. Yeah, so I think the word I would use to describe this is like if you're kind of looking at like his earlier work, especially like his earlier body horror work, it's all very dirty. It's kind of got a, this nasty edge. And this mm. is very, it's almost antiseptic the way he films it. It's very, very clean. It doesn't True. feel gross. Like even when they're digging organs out of Viggo Mortensen's body, it doesn't, it doesn't even look real. Like it looks very stylized and fake and not in a way that's like confrontational. So it's kind of missing that kind of, you know, that edge that his, some of his work has had. And is it just because he's an old man now and he just doesn't have that in him anymore? I don't know. I mean, certainly his kids work with possessor was much more shocking than this was. Um, That's for sure. I applaud the effort. I'm glad to see Cronenberg kind of try and get back to his roots, but I think it's a little perfunctory and maybe it's unfortunately just the kind of, I'm hoping not the last gasp of a interesting career. Yeah, it. I think the questions the film poses, Matt, unfortunately, maybe are more interesting than the film itself. Mm. I don't know. I think it's still nice to have Cronenberg back in the what you know the WTF realm. Yeah, I think it's nice to see him doing that, though. It maybe it feels a little bit at times that he's going through the motions with it. I don't know. I think it's interesting that I guess Natalie Portman was originally supposed to play the Leah Sadeau role. Okay. And Sadeau was supposed to play Kristen Stewart's role. Okay. But Portman backed out because I guess some COVID concerns. And I guess they originally wanted to make this in 03 and your boy was supposed to star in it, Nick Cage. Oh, holy! can you imagine? Wow, that would have been a really, a very, very different film. And then Ray Fiennes stepped in after he dropped out. Yeah. But then the whole project just fell apart, I guess. Cronenberg kind of just lost interest in it. But sure. then I think about three years ago or so, he went back to the script. And he actually has a an earlier film um, from, is it 70? It's like a 60-minute little short there where called Crimes of the Future. Mm. But it's it's a different film. It's gotcha. kind of, he wor- maybe reworked a little bit some of the concepts and then just rewrote it and then did this. But I don't know. I didn't hate it. All right? I, I it was interesting. It was enthralling yeah. at times. Yeah. I think it is a little too heady for its own good. I don't think it's, it's not as smart as it thinks it is, mm-hmm. but I don't know, man, I keep vacillating between a C plus and a B minus. I'm really not sure. Where, where are you falling? Yeah, I'm actually the exact same thing. I'm kind of vacillating between a C plus and a B minus. I think ultimately I'm going to come up with a B minus. I think I'm being generous on the grade. I may be grading on a curve a little bit just because of, who it is and how he's kind of trying to get back to the thing he's famous for. And I applaud the effort. And I think for fans of that type of thing, and honestly, those types of movies that he made are not broadly appeal type of stuff. I think it's a B minus film. I think if you sit this in front of somebody who's not a Cronenberg fan, or at least his body horror work, it's going to be like a C plus or less. But I think for people like us, it's a B minus. I think that's fair. And can we talk a little bit quickly about Kristen Stewart in this Mm, movie? Can we? So there were moments where I felt like Twilight Days mm. with her, but then mm. I kind of realized that's not what's happening. There's, I think, a clip you, that's floating around the internet you can watch right now, where she really enunciates like no other performer I've seen in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years. I mean, she was really popping. And I uh, I had a blast with it. I actually thought she was really good. I think Leah Sado was mostly okay. Vigo again, okay. Yeah. You know, um, but... 
I don't know, man. Stewart's had quite a run. Yeah. And uh, I think she was a lot of fun in this. And her longing, breathy looks at Vigo, all, the whole thing, I just yeah. had a blast with it. Yeah, it's all very schoolgirl crush kind of weird stuff. And that was the other thing I was laughing at is her her kind of breathless whisper delivery of those lines, you know. So it's 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 a lot of that. She's not on the screen for a lot, but when she is there, she is certainly a presence. Um, surgery. So I also really I did not see this coming. I so props to Howard Shore. The score, though maybe a little repetitive, was really interesting. I thought mm. very dark as well so that kind of kept me involved i will say this was one of the worst theatrical experiences i've had in a very long time really uh i went to see this i double billed it matt uh this past monday night Mm -hmm. with this and the watcher i watched the watcher first and then crimes of the future after Mm -hmm. and i had two guys a row in front of me snoring through most of it (laughs) then i had these three kids who came in and there were four seats, three kids, me, right? So yeah. four empty seats, me. Right. So they do the first seat, they do the third seat, something, oh, well, the third kid's going to sit in the second seat. No, no. They goes one blank, two, three. So now they're oh. right next to me. Oh, so they did the heterosexual one buffer blank, zone? Three, four. Only for only one of them. I don't, so they could sit right next to me. So now I'm upset. And then the kid's on his phone almost the whole time. Mm. And it's just absolutely. A miserable, miserable experience. See, that's why, folks, I always sit in the back row so nobody sits behind me. That is, I really don't like people sitting behind me and like chatting away in the movies. Mm. And then I try and kind of set myself off towards the aisle. I know it's not ideal, but then it kind of limits the amount of people who will be weird and try and sit next to you. Yeah, maybe I gotta start doing that. I just love my middle rows, baby. Mm. It's, I like to get that. You want that, that experience? experience? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I go on Mondays, too, because I'm thinking the amount of people is going to be much smaller. Right. But you know what? AMC, if you're listening, I'm begging you. Give me like a nine or ten o'clock movie. That would be perfect for me. I would love to like roll in there at like nine, ten o'clock in the morning and see it. And with only maybe a couple other weirdos and and then head home. They used to do that all the time pre-COVID. Yeah. I mean, the AMC here in Plainville, they don't even have any shows before like one or two o'clock they don't even have like 11 or 12 shows anymore that's sad and i'm still desperate for some kind of cell technology dampening mm. or you know it's just you can <laughs> you have a theater that you cannot your cell phone will not work in you know ahead of time mm. but just know you go in there it's not gonna work you know now that we've had our old man yells at cloud moment here for mm. the two of us you're coming out with a b minus as well on this yes one? <laughs> never not said that yet yes you a have b- not for no. me as well. <laughs> There you go. Crimes of the Future, B- minus across the board. If you've had a chance to see it, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Damn kids. All right, Matt, let's <laughs> keep going here. It's been a few minutes to talk about what's coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, June 14th. As a result of my procedure, I have an overpowering urge to consume blood. For the first time in my entire life, I feel good. Yesterday, I could barely walk. Today, I don't know what I'm capable of. I have the constitution of an Olympic athlete. Increased strength and speed. That can only be described as superhuman. And all of this on artificial blood. I 
you've become something different. That's that's one way to put it. Matt, Morbius is getting its physical media release. It's, there is a steelbook coming out as well. It's Morbin time at home? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like how they re-released it in the theaters over the weekend and like mm. 30 people went to go see yeah, it. Yeah, nationwide. In a thousand theaters, I thought 30 people went and saw it. <sighs> Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. So good for you on that. I'll take some bloopers and then five featurettes on the making of the movie. Ambulance is coming out, Matt. Michael mm-hmm. Bay's latest. Mm-hmm. This I may actually pick up at a decent price. All right. Uh, the 4K has Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos as well. And there is a really sharp steel book from Zavi. One of the few I'd actually consider getting, folks. So check that out. It looks pretty cool. There's a, spe- there's a feature, excuse me, called Bayham. So you know that's going to be awesome. And uh, some exclusive to the Blu-ray feature. It's mostly kind of interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff. Um there is a UHD mat coming out from Mubi in the UK of Benedetta. No UHD here in the States. Okay. But if you are import-minded, remember the UHDs, your 4Ks are region-free. So um, if you want to go ahead and drop 30 bucks down for a UHD of Benedetta, you can. Matt, Mark Wahlberg says he wants to kind of continue to make these faith-based films. Mm-hmm. But the uh, first entry is Father Stew getting its release includes over 10 minutes of deleted scenes i guess he's trying trying to what pay his penance for all the horrible s he did as a kid i guess yeah from what i understand i don't really follow mark Wahlberg that much but from what i understand he is reconnected with his catholic faith and he is now dedicated to making a kirk cameron turn i guess good for him you know i still do like fear a lot Mm. than where he plays that psycho (laughs) boyfriend yeah he starts punching himself in the chest outside her door. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Infinite Storm featuring Naomi Watts following one woman's journey for self-discovery that turns into a harrowing tale of survival. Kevin Hart's fatherhood is coming out. Brian Presley wrote, direct, and produced the film Hostile Territory by WellGo USA. That's coming out. We need to do something that after Melissa and her family seek shelter from a storm, they become trapped. With no sign of rescue, hours turn into days, and Melissa comes to realize that she and her girlfriend Amy may have something to do with the horrors that threaten to tear her family and the entire world apart. Matt also coming out is a movie called Turbo Cola. With all of his friends headed to a party on the last night of 1999, Austin takes an extra shift at the Quality Mart gas station and is forced to look down the barrel of what it means to graduate high school and face a future stuck in the middle of nowhere hometown. He's got one night to make his dreams come true, legal or not. Uh-oh. And he's taking it. Matt, what did you do on December 31st, 1999? What did you I remember? do? Yeah, I think I was home for Christmas. I don't think, you know, none of my few friends that were still living here, because I didn't, I didn't go to high school or anything in Connecticut, folks. So, um, you know, I don't really know anybody except for a handful of people. And uh, they weren't interested in going out or anything. So I think I just watched, I think I watched MTV's New Year's Eve thing, like uh, at my parents' house and watched, uh, I think, No Doubt perform It's the End of the World as We Know It uh, right before, right at the the end of of, of (laughs) the strike of midnight. Nice. Yeah. Man, I remember what a big deal that was. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Y2K? Well, you know, the the Willennium kind of helped, you know, <laughs> usher us through. I think that was really what did it. It kept us from the, the apocalypse that was looming. That's true. I was at a friend's party. Mm. A young woman named Heather. And what is her name? Her boyfriend's name. I think they actually got married. But I was there with Espo and our buddy Lunchbox. 
mm-hmm. and some other friends too. So it was a we all worked together at this company, which turned out to be a scam. I think we found out years later. But either way, we were all at her house. I remember it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Turbo Cola. Ahead's knee. An Israeli filmmaker throws himself in the midst of two battles doomed to fail, Matt. One against the death of freedom, the other against the death of a mother. Weird. Polly Go. A young AI prodigy gets rejected from a well-renowned robotics lab and does what any rational teenager would do, Matt. He steals a van, drives across the country to northern Minnesota to track down the professor who rejected him. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing Farewell Amor, featuring Natar Guma and Mabo Moeen. Reunited after 17 years, an Angolian immigrant is joined in the U.S. by his wife and daughter. Now strangers sharing a one-bedroom apartment, they discover a shared love of dance that may help them overcome the distance between them. A brand new 2K master of that approved by the director, Ikua Masangi. New audio commentary featuring Masangi. Three short films of his as well. New interviews, deleted scenes, and more. Film Movement is releasing Viva L'Amour in the overpopulated metropolis of Taipei. Two men and women literally circle each other. Mei Mei is a lonely real estate agent, Matt, who works long hours. One day, she misplaces the keys to one of her vacant apartments. The young, hesitant, and gay Sao Kong who sells funeral urn space, takes the key and happily takes the living surreptitiously in the apartment, unaware that May and the footloose Kake Ya Yung also used a flat regularly. Brand new 2K restoration of that and a uh, new featurette is included. Sony is releasing a couple new films, Wild, featuring Stephen Fry. This is one of those autobiographies about Oscar Wilde. And they're also releasing Love and Human Remains in an unrated director's cut. Shot Factory is putting out volume two, of the Herzog collection. This one features Signs of Life, The Great Ecstasy of Woodcarver Steiner, How Much Wood Would a Woodchuck Chuck, La Sofriar, God's Angry Man, Hugh's Sermon, The Dark Glow of the Mountains, Herdsman of the Sun, Echoes from the Somber Empire, Wheel of Time, and The Wild Blue Yonder. Man, there's so much Herzog I have not seen. I still mm. want to see that documentary about volcanoes he did. Okay. Uh, and I don't know how much. Jeez, just so much. Still, few things, Matt, haunt me. Like that scene in Grizzly Man when he's oh, listening to the yeah. tape. Yeah. I still think of that scene to this day. The way somebody like Herzog broke down listening to that, you know it's got to be one of the worst things you've ever seen. Because I feel like that guy could not be moved by emotion for almost anything. So, man, that was a really effective scene. Oof. Kino Lorber is putting out Last of the Dogmen featuring Tom Berenger. Brand new 4K restoration on that one, as well as a new audio commentary with the writer-director Tab Murphy. They're also putting out The Horse Soldiers, such as a John Ford film featuring John Wayne and William Holden. That gets a brand new 4K restoration and a new audio commentary. Love Slays of the Amazon, the Matt Howell story. It gets a brand new 2K restoration and a new audio commentary. Mondo Macabro is putting out Hotel Fear from 1978. The 2K restoration, as well as two new interviews and some uh, archival audio commentaries and alternate scenes. Warner Archive is putting out The Clock. Paul Gallico's simple story involves a girl and a GI who meet under the huge clock at New York's Pennsylvania Station. Over the next 48 hours, the girl and the soldier fall in love, make the acquaintance of such lovable Gotham types as Cabby James Gleason, inebriate Keenan Wynn, and decide to get married before the GI is shipped out again. Matt, you are straight to DVD Pick of the Week. I saw this title, and I think there was no other option for me to choose. Ninja Badass. The Ninja VIP Super Club is doing a slow drag across the American Midwest, culminating in a female sacrifice. When they kidnap a super hot babe Rex has his eyes on, it's up to him to become a ninja 
and to steal her back from them. I may actually have to watch that. Matt, yeah. what should we be streaming this week? Wow, I may have to watch that as well. Um, all right, so I'm going to recommend some some TV shows. I did finally catch up with Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1, and it's actually really good. I dare say it might be one of the best ones they've got so far. It's got some weak points. Let me but, ask you. So aren't most of them like an hour to an hour and a half long, these episodes this they season? Are, they are longer than a typical episode. They, they kind of fluctuate and breathe as necessary. And... How are you dealing with the fact that they're all like in their early 20s or like their late teens, like 19 now? <laughs> I mean, I do a movie podcast. So how many films and where there's like 30 year olds playing, eight, you know, 17 year olds that we watch? That's fair. That's fair. But so far, so good, huh? That yeah. first one? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I'm also finally catching up a little behind um, on the Apple Plus series Severance. Guys, if you haven't watched that, that is some wild stuff. Um, it is also really, really good. I've heard good things. Um, I just started watching Hacks with the Misses. We're two episodes in, and I think that's actually pretty good. I'm enjoying okay. that. Okay. And I've seen the first two episodes of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. and I think that one's pretty solid, too. I don't... It's okay for me so far. Yeah. I guess it is the best, maybe, of the Star Wars shows, but... Uh, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know. Some of the Mandalorian we'll stuff is pretty good. I think that what you said that I think like last week that you thought it was the best out of the Star Wars show. Uh, yeah, so that that but was you're my more episodes in now. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna walk that back a little bit. I think it's okay. good, but um, I think it may just have been my excitement for it um, after watching the first two episodes. But it's good, but I don't think now it's necessarily the best. Um, so let me ask you this, Chris, before we move on. Um, mm-hmm. I need some advice from you, my compulsive. Uh, physical media buyer here rude yeah uh but true um see on amazon uh requiem for a dream an ultimate possibly one timer for a lot of people is available for ten dollars on uhd should i buy it so i don't know i have that on dvd me too uh and i've been considering upgrading it myself but i don't know how the transfer is i think it's supposed to be pretty solid Okay. Um, I, man, but I still, it's one of those where I don't know if I would watch it again. Mm. So I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, if you only have it on DVD, 10 bucks, you might as well pull the trigger. If you're ever going to watch it again, odds are, especially you're not going to be able to see the director's cut probably on any of your streaming services. Right. So I guess under that rationale that I would, yes. Yeah. I might, I might do it. And I'm looking here at the other suggested, um, some other fun times, uh, Mother, exclamation point, is $11, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, Clockwork Orange is, is 13 on 4K. So, interesting. So, Very interesting. i never seen Clockwork Orange. I've tried watching it when I was like in my teens, and I was mm-hmm. so repulsed by it, I turned it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have never watched it since. Yeah. So, I've been going back and forth. I saw that same thing, and I, I've almost bought it a couple times. I actually bought... The Jurassic Park UHD set because it okay. was down to like thirty eight dollars, yeah, and it's actually right now down to thirty three, but I canceled it uh, because I'm thinking I'm not going to watch those other films. I don't like Jurassic World. I hate the second Jurassic World film. Yeah, I don't like Jurassic Park two, and Jurassic Park three is okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to watch it. That's the right choice. I think you made a solid decision there to save your money and buy Requiem for a Dream instead. All right. Well, what I did buy though is last night in soho for 13 dollars in uhd and i just got that today so i am very excited about that let me tell you 13 bucks man i mean it's what 
we're talking 13 cabbage. You got 13 cakes, baby. Bread, wad, bacon, bones, bag, greenbacks, large, bucks, smackers, smackaroonies. You know, I, it's, I, 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 can, I couldn't say no at that. I also bought the Halloween sequel there for, yeah. I think, 13 back in the day. No Time to Die got down to $13 at one point. Yeah. But I, I mean, I bought that basically day one. Who am I kidding? But, um, yeah, I, you already had Dune. I'm waiting. Out of sight in 4K is 20 bucks. I'm waiting on that one, though. Hopefully, there'll be a Kino Lorber sale, and I can get that when they have them uh, a little cheaper. I've heard bad things, Matt, about that UHD, a fistful of dollars transfer, that really? it's not great, but I guess how okay. good could it really be? True. What yeah. about Full Metal Jacket? That one's down to 13 too, and I just have that on DVD. I just have that on DVD, too. I might. Um, I don't know. I might. That's a good question. See, like, here's the thing. I've gotten so cheap about my physical media. Like, I do like to have it for movies that I really enjoy because they kind of disappear off streaming and then it gets annoying because you can't watch mm-hmm. it if you want to watch it. Um, but at the same time, I'm not all about spending. And even though, you know, what is twenty, thirty dollars, you know, in the immediate term, it just it just gets to it just adds up, you know. So it's like I really yeah. got to wait for a for the right price point before I pull the trigger on a movie. I've gotten much more selective. So you're going to be getting Clockwork Orange? I don't think so. Hmm. It's I kind of go back and forth on it. Part of me says, you know, it's kind of one of those quintessential films that you need to if you're going to have like the breadth of what uh, Stanley Kubrick has. I think you need to have it. But it, like you said, it's very of its time and it's it's kind of a... It's kind of a grimy watch, so it's it's tough. I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. might buy ten I might buy ten Cloverfield Lane for twelve dollars instead. <laughs> Fair enough. What would you do, folks? Feedback at the first run dot com. I'm yeah, curious. There's a lot of four K stuff that's I'm still I'm eyeing everything everywhere all at once, but I'm I gotta wait for that price drop. There is a Walmart exclusive uh release of that, which basically just has all those googly eyes that's all the cover is it's all the googly eyes instead of the uh, traditional yeah, cover yeah okay yeah I'm, i've been waiting for that to come out but like you said i'm gonna have to wait for the right price point before i pull the trigger godfather sets down to 63 uh, is it weird that i kind of like it that, that it's kind of grainy and grimy on my on my version that i have i don't know man i bought the blue remastered blu-ray i think two years ago and this thing blows it away it's like watching it for the first time it is one of the best transfers i've seen in recent times it was well worth it i bought it at 68 and i have no qualms with it whatsoever i've watched it three times even with the fact that it has well twice each except for the third one <laughs> yeah, I've watched I was about to say. first two films twice so far. I, I do still want to catch up with that that uh coda that coda um it's out on something i don't know if it's a it's out on like HBO Max or something. I, I do want to catch up with that and see what it's like. And the original version of three, and I think the recut, not Coda, but the recut he later did, mm-hmm. are only going to be available in the box set. You're not going to be able to buy them. They're only going to when they when they spike them out. Yeah, they're only going to do Coda. They're not going to have the others. So I don't know if that means anything to you or not. Wow. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah. And, you know, just looking at Full Metal Jacket, not going to ship for another one to two months. That's a long commitment for me <laughs> to not have it. Like, I want immediate gratification on Amazon. No, I understand that. But the good thing is you don't pay until that's, it ships. That's very too. true. I can lock in my price <laughs> and then it just, like, shows up at my door one day. And I'll have forgotten that I even ordered it. Sorry, guys. We just kind of went on a little rant there, but that's what you pay for. That's right. Yeah, you, you get what you pay for. That's true. 
Okay, good times. Matt, let's keep rolling then. Let's spend a few minutes and talk about Watcher. Hey. What? What's up? Nothing. <laughs> There's this guy that lives across the street and he's always looking over here. Looking over here how? Every time I look over there, he's just standing in his window and it's like he's staring right at me. Which window is it? Right there. I can't see anything. Because it's day. He only looks in at night? I can only see him at night. Doesn't mean that he's not... You know what? Forget it. No, come on. Mm. If you're feeling uncomfortable about something, you should talk about it. Really? I'm fine. Well, I don't know about that. So, Watcher is a big, big hit for IFC Midnight. From what I understand, it's their biggest box office uh, return ever. Mm. So, uh, congrats to them. This is a co-release with Shudder. Mika Monroe plays Julia. She is married to her husband. What's his name there? Francis. Mm-hmm. And they moved to Bucharest, Matt, because he is Romanian, or at least he has some Romanian heritage, and he gets a new promotion. And they said, we need a guy in Bucharest. So they go there. They have a nice little apartment, and she notices a guy, a floor up or so, who's just constantly, constantly looking in their apartment window. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on Watcher? It's kind of one of those stalker slasher films, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think it tries to be a little deeper at least perhaps a more i don't know what was aesthetically interesting than your typical slasher films what do you think of watcher so i i quite enjoyed it so i don't think and i'm not gonna i don't want to spoil it too much because i feel like these type of movies you should go in pretty blind or at least you know um not have a lot of uh background information to make it more exciting but i will say this so I don't think the story in and of itself is any kind of um, groundbreaking work. Um, I think it's relatively straightforward. Um, I think, you know, the twists uh, or the kind of, you know, reveal, you've kind of figured that out um, as you go through it. Um, But I think it looks really good. Um, I think Mike Monroe is um, really solid in this. I really liked watching her kind of come back to these horror movie roots that I feel like she has. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, you know, the kind of, um, you know, the kind of subtext that's in this that at the same time is just there for you to kind of left for you there. It doesn't kind of like confront you with it. It's like leaves it up to you to kind of pick up on the parts that you kind of connect with. And I do like the kind of homages to different things. Um, you know, it's got a little bit of a rear window vibe at times. It's got like, you know, some of those like 70s movies like don't look now it got kind of that feel to me um you know even some flashes of chris's beloved giallo am i am i saying that correctly sure yeah Yeah. um so i mean overall i think it's it's quite good i think it's what quite it's well crafted it's you know it's a solid if not groundbreaking um not groundbreaking but a solid you know kind of slasher 
um, modern, you know, paranoid tale. I think it's quite good. Yeah, I mean, in a genre that we've seen a million times, and it is, I think, you know, at times whisper thin, mm-hmm. but I think that Okuna makes great use, I think, of what could be a tired trope with some nice visuals and I think really an engaging performance by Monroe. I think that she really makes this thing hum. But you're right. There's Hitchcocking stuff. There's a little Argento. There's uh, a lot of stuff in this film. Some nice homages. It really, I think, uh, Okuno, for the first two-thirds, it's kind of a very solid Hitchcockian, kind of, as you said, 70s Giallo-esque thriller. But particularly, I think the Giallo comes in, I think, A, at the end, and then B, and I think one of the more one of the better scenes in the film on the tram, the subway, or the mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? There's an interaction there, um, and a potential revelation that is once it hits you, you're like, holy yes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it was it's really well done. Though um I was worried that it was gonna turn into what I feared, mm-hmm. which is kind of a more formulaic cliched ending. And at one point, I think she was going to almost botch the ending entirely because I was getting concerned that the jackhole husband, who Matt, I think, and I think this is part of that subtext, is cheating on her or or doing some other stuff too outside of, you know, because she's gone nights all the time for work. And who knows? But they never address anything. That's all in my head. Right. But still, um, I think Okuna does a good job of kind of planning those kind of subconscious thoughts in your head with the film. But I'm thinking, oh, don't tell me he's going to save the day here in some capacity, right? And thankfully, it doesn't kind of, you know, it's not lazy like that at all. Yeah. And I think Okuna does a really good job alienating Monroe's Julia. I mean, you really identify with her feeling lost and alone and alienated in Bucharest. It's very, it's shot kind of in winter. And you can almost feel the winter chill permeating the entire film. It's all very gray and, and just feels isolating. You almost... When she's in the cafe, you feel the warmth that she's finally out of the storm and out of the moment to correct her, correct, collect her thoughts. Like all this stuff. I don't know. And uh, yeah, no, I think it's 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 reasonably successful. I think it may be a little clumsy at the end. Mm-hmm. But I think all in all, it's, it's an entertaining slasher thriller. And I, I did have a lot of fun with it. And I want to say too that Burn Gorman is a hell of a name. It's much better than mine. That's for sure. But uh, that's actually an actor in the movie. That's not a character. Right. But still, yeah. So I enjoyed I enjoyed the watch. I'm going to give it a B. Yeah. I'm going to give it a B too. I think, you know, it's helped by the fact that this is a, it's in a genre that's notoriously uneven. Um, when it hits, mm. it hits. But most of the time it doesn't. Um, and I think ultimately most of this works. I think it's a fun little uh, piece of suspense for you, your viewing pleasure. And I'm sure it'll be out on Shutter in like two weeks. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. Turn off the lights, you know, grab your significant other, hold them close and enjoy this sweet little, uh, quick little thriller. It's a good time. <laughs> if you've had a chance to see Watcher currently playing in theaters, it's just an email at feedback at the first run.com. All right, Matt, let's go ahead and discuss our five favorite upsetting and settling David Cronenberg scenes. Oh. I thought everyone was asleep. Do you mind if I get in with you? I've been lying in bed for so long. My body aches all over. 
I'm so glad I ran into you. Uh, well, I think I'd better be getting out now. I'm getting all wrinkly. Oh, no, not yet. You haven't even told me your name. Judy Glassberg. That doesn't sound like fun. So, Matt, that is a clip from Rabbit. Marilyn Chambers gets in an accident and then has some skin grafting done and develops an orifice on her body <laughs> that consumes people or drinks mm-hmm. their blood but then mm-hmm. infects them yeah and turns them rabid hence the title and uh it's crazy to me when you think about the fact that Cronenberg shot that I think with with like a a, a porn crew mm-hmm. and with Marilyn Chambers who was an adult film star at the time and it was one of his big films so, you know he did a couple short films and then Shivers yeah. which is really cool and fun and then Rabid and then, of course, I think for me, the big the big jump then was The Brood, mm. which maybe I should stop talking because that may come up. But, uh, yeah, I've always yeah. enjoyed Rabbit and Shift. There's a remake of Rabbit I've wanted to check out, too. That I th- Is it with Naomi, Naomi Watts? I can't remember. But um, I've been meaning to check that out for quite some time. You so. know, and if you want to talk about, uh, if you want to hear our thoughts on Rabbit, we, we went over it for our Body Horror Marathon a few, a few months ago. That's right. We did indeed. I'm looking at the list of Cronenberg films, and there's about a third of them I haven't seen. Mm. So I'm going to have to rectify that. Like, I haven't seen Spider, <clears throat> which I bought at the Viper Video down here in Tampa for 10 bucks on D- No, not 10 bucks. It was on DVD. It was $2. It's the only... It's not streaming anywhere, yeah. and I don't know if you're going to get it anywhere else. So I was all excited. I know it's a DVD, but I can finally check that out. So, And I still haven't seen Crash... And uh, some of his other stuff, too. Yeah, I haven't seen Crash either. I was trying to find a place I was streaming at, and I was very disappointed that nobody is. So, see? This is your your push for physical media availability, guys. Maybe I should go to a library. A library probably has it somewhere, right? It may. It may. Especially Hoopla. You got to take advantage. Listen, folks, if you haven't taken advantage of Hoopla, if you have a library card and your library participates, mm-hmm. you can watch a lot of movies uh, digitally online. And yeah. it's, it's a great, great thing. And they have stuff that's not available on your yeah. streaming services. Well, I mean, even if you don't have Hoopla, then maybe they have Canopy, which is another good service that does the yep. same thing. Good times. All right, Matt, start us off. What is the fifth most disturbing scene that you love? From All right. Carmen? So this is um, this is kind of the outlier of, of disturbing scenes. So... This is from, I think, Cronenberg's straight turn, right? So this is basically, he makes like a, just a straight up crime thriller based off of the comic book of the same name, A History of Violence, starring Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. And the scene that I'm going to talk about is the, the, the scene in the diner where the two guys at the beginning try and rob the diner. Um, they're going to assault one of the waitresses. They're probably going to kill everybody in there. And Viggo Mortensen takes uh, matters into his own hands. Now it's not up until the very last point. It's not particularly gruesome. It's kind of like your kind of standard red on the shirt, kind of bullet holes kind of stuff until they flash to the very end where he had shot Mm. a guy in the back of the head and the dude is still alive and his nose is gone. His jaw is gone and he's sitting there um, sucking on his own blood and drool. And it's incredibly graphic. And it was a, it was a hint of what you had in store for you for the rest of this film. I was not expecting that at all because it is incredibly gruesome. Um, but man, 
it really set the stage for one of, I think, one of my favorite Cronenberg films. Yeah, I absolutely love that film. It's an honorable mention for me, that exact scene as well. And I, God, I haven't watched that movie in forever. I just got it on Blu-ray a couple months ago because I just had it on DVD. Mm. And uh, I've been meaning to revisit it, but that's a great pick. So my number five then, Matt, is the basically I think the conclusion of The Brood with uh, Samantha Egger as Nola. And she's been in the kind of the care of the psychotherapist played by Oliver Reed who feels that he encourages his patients, you know, to kind of deal with the suppressed emotions through physiological changes to their bodies. But she eventually ends up, how do we put this? There's, so she has these manifestations of this dwarf children who kind of then go out and take revenge on people who have wronged her or whatever, you know, just, it's just, it's crazy. But the end of the film, she is, gives birth to one of these things and then it's all covered like in blood and viscera and she holds it up and she licks it just you know because that's what a mother does to her spawn (laughs) to her brood and it is such an unsettling scene so uh that's my number five so i have a confession i've never seen the brood um something that's always been kind of on the list but i just have never caught up with it so i'll have to i'll have to go check it out all right so my number um four is from the cronenberg's uh, 80s masterpiece the fly now, there are many different scenes that you could put in this. When Brundlefly breaks the guy's arm, that was that was a lot while he's arm wrestling him. That was incredibly disgusting. Um, where he vomits on the dude to melt his legs so he can eat it. Yeah. Also disgusting. But the thing that really, really kind of scarred me for life watching this film when I was way too young to be seeing it is when they test out the, the, tra- the teleportation pods on the baboon and they have the unsuccessful test and they open it up and the baboon has basically turned inside out. And it's basically mm-hmm. this viscera hanging out uh, veins everywhere. It is absolutely, it was, it was shocking. It was fast. This was animal death that I was not prepared for <laughs> that, you know, whatever I was no. 12, 13 years old. So yeah, I think that piece from the fly, that little quick uh, inside-out baboon, is what stood with me the most out of the many, many scenes of that film. No, that is a good one. Uh, so all right, my number four then is from the Dead Zone, mm. and it's not especially gory. In fact, if I remember correctly, you don't really even see it happen. Mm-hmm. But the build-up to it, and the presentation, and then the sound is enough. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Walken's character, he's got this ability, right, to see visions and see stuff. So there's been a series of murders, and the sheriff kind of brings him along to kind of help him out. And he realizes that the killer is actually one of the policemen. It's like the deputy or something, right? right? And before they can arrest him, he basically he goes home and kills himself. And Plants gets all very meticulous. He all pulls and he and he takes these the scissors, opens them up. And then you just like, it's, getting, it's just, it's, I, I still get weirded out by it to this day. He basically drops his head mm-hmm. right in his, right into the scissors, yeah. and it's just bad times. Man, the Dead that's Zone wonderful. is, I, that's still one of my favorite uh, Stephen King adaptions. You got, not only do you have Cronenberg, but you have Walken being at his Walkenness. The ice is gonna break! I can't even do it, but it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's Chef's Kiss, so good. All right, so my number three is based off of the book by William S. Burroughs, and in my kind of seeking mm. 
uh, youth, um, where I was looking out, seeking out things of that were transgressive, trying to rebel. I was reading William S. Burroughs, and I remember reading this book, and it was one of the hardest books I ever had to read. You can't sit and read Naked Lunch in one sitting. You have to kind of read it in like 10-minute increments. And Cronenberg does his best to translate this onto screen, and it's still just completely whacked out there. And I think of the many, many scenes that are out there, I think the um tat talking asshole cockroach um that is basically um peter weller's parole officer is 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 right up there so basically the cops they bring out this giant cockroach that opens up its wing and it has a butthole that looks like a human anus that is sitting there talking to him telling about how how it's gonna be as far as you know checking in with him and making sure he doesn't get into trouble and it's just incredibly whacked out and it's just weird. It's just so weird that it stayed with me. And I think it's uh, it's just a piece of how, not necessarily gross, but just insane Cronenberg uh, can be with his visuals. Yeah, that's one of the ones I have not seen, is Naked Launch. So. Yeah, prepare yourself. It's, it's not an easy sit just because it's hard to tell what the F is going on at any given moment. Hmm. So then my number three then, again, is not a scene of any particular gore. It's the, as they say on It's Always Sunny, it's the implication. Mm. <laughs> and it, so in uh, Dead Ringers, the uh, Mantle Boys, one of them is developing these new gynecological tools that, again, have that biomechanical kind of look to them, but they're very sharp and weird angles and pulleys and stuff. Yeah, it's very unsettling. And at one point, they're just all on display on the the tray, right? Mm -hmm. The implication of what that they're going to be used for, and just, it's just, it hits you, even though I'm I'm like a bro's bro, bro. (laughs) Uh, It's still, you know, it's one of those things where it's when you hit the top of the roller coaster and then you drop... And you can feel it in your nether area. Yeah. It's the same thing to me when I see those tools all laid out. Because again, it's all the the theater of the mind. Yeah. The imagination just runs with it, and it's just deeply unsettling. And what's even more unsettling is that Cronenberg's a type of guy where he probably knows what each one of those is supposed to do, and he probably mm-hmm. storyboarded it out just so everybody could understand what was what they were in for. <laughs> Gross. All right, so my number two then is we're going to return to, to Peter Weller, um, and I'm talking about his um, stomach vagina in uh, the in Videodrome, where he decides to start uh, playing with it. You mean James Woods? James Woods, yes, excuse me. Why did I think it yes. was Peter Weller? I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, he starts sticking a gun into his a spontaneous mm-hmm. uh, stomach vagina that uh, just suddenly appears. Um I don't know what else to say about it other than that. Um, if you haven't seen videos, it's the new flesh, Matt. You gotta cut yourself some slack. It's the new flesh. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an image. It's an image, guys. It certainly is. So then, my number two is. I'm thinking we may have the same number one because it's so iconic. Yeah, it is. But my number two is Brundlefly, but it's a more smaller kind of version. It's not the. I was going back and forth between this and the leg dissolve. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went with this and that's when his fingernails just so easily kind of just peel off and it's just disgusting. (laughs) It's just like, just like in dead, excuse me, with uh, dead zone. Cause I have a thing about my eyes. Like I could never wear Mm. 
contacts. I can't touch my eyes. Right. I have a weird thing about it. Same thing with my... I once had an issue where I, I got like something under my fingernail, yeah. like halfway up. And it was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced. And I cannot imagine... The, I, no, I, yeah, so that's my teeth. Yeah, that that's makes my teeth. skin crawl. And I, so I have a weird thing about my teeth and like mm. when he's pulling out his teeth and they're just like falling out, I'm like, I yeah, can't yeah. even deal with it. Like, <laughs> it was so, so gross. Um, all right, so let's, uh, what's the, you have, you're supposed to have the ultimate number one. So what is the ultimate number one, Chris? Well, it's got to be the scanners guy and his head exploding, yeah, right? It is. It is. It's, it's iconic. It's his most it's a, iconic. It's a scene. gift. It is. It's a meme. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. You have Mike Ironside's character. He's in the television program being interviewed by this guy, yeah. and they're talking about scanners. And he said his eyes go white, and the veins <laughs> pop out of his head. And the other guy next to him on the panel's head explodes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it, it's seared in my mind. I saw it as a kid. And I, I think maybe that's where I got my affection for theatrical, like, decapitations or head explosions yeah. or whatever the case yeah, may yeah. be. Uh, that and probably the omen mm. is the decapitation there, too, is, a, is a, a legendary one. But still, that scene in Scanners, it, it's iconic. I don't know what else you could say about it, really. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, when we were putting this list together, it's not even the grosser scene. It's not even necessarily the most unsettling scene. But, man, it is his most famous scene. And... You cannot discount, I can't undersell the fact that you're young and like the information is not quite there like it is today where it's just everywhere. You Mm -hmm. can't really undersell how impactful that was the first time you saw it. Even if you knew it was coming, you didn't know what you were going to be in for. And now it's a, it's a gif and everybody knows what it looks like. Even if they haven't seen the, haven't seen the film. I mean, it was 1981. You just didn't see really that much. There weren't a lot of depictions of stuff like that back in that day mm. now you know it's crazy stuff mm. so yeah any honorable mentions yeah so uh i did have the dead zone obviously the, the actually the believe it or not the same thing with the reveal of, of the killer and and the the scissor thing and then mm. i guess it kind of went back and forth i will put in a honorable mention for the uh bathhouse fight in eastern promises a lot of uh a yep. lot of bloody very realistic blunt force trauma in that um it's a brutal brutal scene yeah, that's a good one too. And then I also had the, I don't know why it's so effective to me, but another scene from Rabid when, uh, boy, I can't her name. The woman's getting on the train mm. and this other, it's a very packed thing. And it's especially maybe because of uh, the um, pandemic, you know, and coronavirus and all that stuff. And you're trapped on this train and this woman just, who's rabid, it's attacked and starts eating a guy's neck and everything. It's just, it is an unsettling little scene because you're confined. You know, you're, you you can't get out. What's your favorite disturbing Cronenberg scene? We'd love to hear it. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Do you think the sadness took a little hint from that? Because there wasn't a scene on the, wasn't there a scene on the, on the train with that? There is. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Absolutely. Or is it another one of another zombie movie that we watched recently? I can't even remember. There's so many. No, you're yeah. right. It was the sadness. Okay. You're entirely right. right. But that one too is even more disturbing because then he like he sexually assaults yeah. the, the corpse or something too that <laughs> the feel good film of the year let me tell you so next week oh 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 no. 
What are we doing, Matt, next week? Uh, so next week we are watching the new Jurassic uh, World film. Um, I think, what's it called? Dominion, I think is what it's called. Yeah, um, sure, why not? Uh, yeah, it's got a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be real solid. Mm-hmm. Hit mm-hmm. of the summer. Um, and then we're finally catching up with RRR, or Triple R, or the kind of mega hit from, is it is it a India? Is it a Bollywood film? I don't, yeah, I think it's, yes. Or is it it's Bangladeshi an film, or I know something? That. I don't know. No, I think it's Indian. Indian. We'll okay. find out. But it's, man, it's like three hours long. So prepare Shit. yourself. It's a long commitment. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a little. St- oh, wait. No, I screwed up. I apologize. You know what's coming out in UHD this what's week? That? Because it's the Stinger. And then Stinger's not going to make any sense because I didn't mention oh my God. it. The Stinger this week is it belongs to the UHD Steelbook release of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. All right. Wow. So if you're a steelbook guy, you can pick up the snazzy UHD of Raiders this week. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And then, of course, as always, thefirstrun.com. You can check out the report card, archives all the old shows, and more. So that's it, Matt. We're going to go ahead and take an extended break. We're going to see you all soon. Take care. See you later. Give him the whip. Throw me the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, señor.